On this episode, we discuss life. Isn't that pretty much what we always discuss on this show? Life, living, loving, the Flophouse way. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, I'm Stuart Wellington. And over here in a different room, I'm Elliot Kalin. Yeah, let's uh, pull back the curtain a little bit. Ah! Uh, we don't... We don't... <laughs> oh no. I'm well, leaving. hello. <laughs> oh, Weird. Uh, we don't know whether we're actually going to release this episode or not, but if we do, this is the first episode we've ever done by remote. Um, this is yeah, we're we're, we're testing it out, we're testing out, we're and just seeing how it feels, you know, mm-hmm. stretching our legs. Yeah. Elliot, moving. I'm moving. Uh, moving on. And up, you're grooving. I might say I'm also grooving on up. Uh, now in the future, I will be recording from beautiful sunny California. Uh, in this instance, as a test, I am recording from beautiful, sunny, the corner of my bedroom behind the bed in my Brooklyn apartment. Yeah. Oh, wow. Is so, that for, like, sound buffering? Uh, yes. It's very acoustical over here. I feel really bad. I feel like we're, get, we're like literally keeping your wife from going to bed no, no, by doing this thing. No, no. It's not that late. It's not that late yet. Mm-hmm. No, the cocaine is keeping her from going to bed. Okay. Oh, it's such a problem. But there's no way for her to get her work done otherwise. To perform for crowds of thousands every night on her tour. Yeah, it's tough. Oh, you know I'm married now, to Axel Rose, right? <laughs> oh, really? Oh, that's... Yeah. It's right. so uh, it's so sad. Tell your yeah. wife that I love her unique serpentine style of dancing. I will tell her that. <laughs> Sounds creepy. I don't know if it's unique, but maybe. <laughs> and you loved Chinese democracy, right? Uh, Moving on. <laughs> Uh, so this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it Uh and, uh, I can't even, I can't even (laughs) say tonight we watch a movie because we all watched it at different times, uh, now, but we watched a little movie too far. No one cares. (laughs) We watched a little movie called life. That's right. It's life day on the flop house. Everybody happy life day. Just like Chewbacca celebrates. Mm -hmm. So. This is weird because normally we watch a new movie, but this is an old movie. It stars Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. Martin Lawrence. <laughs> no. And there are a couple of oh, couple of crooks. This is a real mix up. Uh, I don't What's know how we're gonna handle it. For life. And it starts out like you think it's gonna be a comedy and then it turns into a surprisingly bittersweet drama about growing old. Did you no. guys Oh, was I supposed to watch a uh, life? From 2015, the movie about a photographer from Life magazine taking pictures of James Dean. No, that's again the <laughs> wrong, incorrect life. Was I supposed to be watching Life, the television show no. with the guy from uh, <laughs> Damian with, Lewis? Yeah, Damian Lewis, that home, guy. Was I supposed home, to be home. eating Life cereal because Mikey likes it and he doesn't like anything? <laughs> yeah, uh, none of these things. N- nor were you supposed to just be enjoying life, the experience that we all go through. No, none of us do that. Uh, no, you should have watched Life starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Rebecca Ferguson, and Ryan Reynolds from this year, I think. It, it, 2017, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah earlier 80. this year. <laughs> yep. This was, not, the, this was not made before Christ. There are, oh man, that's some star power, Dan. Oh yeah. Christ? Yeah, if you could get Christ in your movie, that would be amazing. Oh, what a mm-hmm. coup. What a casting coup. And yet yep. he's only ever appeared in two films. Uh, Transformers 3, and, uh-huh. ironically, Life with Eddie Murphy and Martin Lewis. Martin Lewis. Martin Lewis. <laughs> Martin Lewis. <laughs> the classic Martin Lewis comedy. When Martin and Lewis Life. were in a transporter accident and were merged together into one man, Martin Lewis. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Dan, what would that sound like? It sound like this. Like, no, I'm the Martin half, and I'm the Lewis half. Hey, baby, nope, I'm very nope, smooth. Got the names mixed up. <laughs> also, I sounded more like the big big bopper. <laughs> it's more like, like one ooh, big baby. Are you saying the Big Bopper was created when we put two other dudes in a transporter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know it. And then we we hit swirl on the on the pad. Why did we hit? It's swirl? called the Big Bopper. I don't know why they even include that. Why they put the swirl option on there? So unsafe. I don't know. It's so if you want to transport a vanilla cone and a chocolate cone, and you want it to come out all <laughs> swirled up when it hits the other side, gotta be a more efficient, less life threatening way to do that. Mm-mm. Okay. So, so this movie, Life, uh, it's a movie that it raises a lot of questions about our life in the universe and humankind. And the biggest question it raises is, in a universe where the alien series exists, why did someone feel the need to make a movie about people on a space station being tracked down and killed by an alien? Mm. Because Good point. Here's yeah. the point. Here's something I want to say. There already is a gold standard for alien-based horror movies. It's a great movie about an alien, a truly scary alien with an amazing H.R. Giger design. And it has Is it am- called I Come in Peace? It has an amazing <laughs> sequel, and it's called Species. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching some of that on uh, TV. I day. know parts what some watching, of Dan. you are watching. Let me guess what parts. <laughs> I was chatting with a friend on my phone, and I there was like 15 minutes, and I'm like, well... That's the seventh uh, nude scene I've seen in 15 minutes. Was there a moment where you paused it post uh, a scene where uh, Syl, is that her name? Syl, yeah, played by Natasha Hedges. After she uh, murders a man after uh, having sex with him, mm-hmm. was there a moment where you paused the uh, the DVD you're watching and you said... DVD? At least, he got, at least he got some companionship before he died. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That's I'm so desperate <laughs> at least, that I at least want to live in a praying <laughs> mantis sort of world. Where... Too? I don't get it. <laughs> at least I don't know. So, that was my that was my. Was just some casual cruelty, Stuart. <laughs> Dan watches a movie where where an alien has sex with a man and then kills him, and Dan goes, oh, must be nice." <laughs> <laughs> now, anyway, the, uh, let's talk about the movie Life, shall we? Unless we have any other preambling rambling to do. No, I no, that's fine. Let's fire it up. Ampled and rambled long enough. So the movie begins with a shot of stars. It's space, and you look at that forever, and then you see a space <laughs> station, and it's real slow. Oh. Everything's super slow because uh-huh. this movie believes in one thing: that there is nothing in life and in outer space that can't be made more exciting by showing it to you slowly through a window. <laughs> Why would you want to use the magic of the movies to get up close to stuff like an alien or meteors hitting a space station or astronauts when you could watch it through a kind of fingerprint encrusted window like the characters are? So there's there's an attempt with this movie to make it realistic, right? Slightly. Yeah. I mean, they're always in zero G, and that was pretty cool. The zero G effects are very impressive. Do you think? Do you think that's why a lot of the actors did the movie is because they're like. I want to be, I want to be in zero G. Mm-hmm. Probably, I want to have no G's. Ex- yeah. except in their bank accounts, there they want a lot of G's. Yeah, was it, was it filmed in space? Yeah, was that's crazy. That's not true. Probably not. Was it, 
was it was it in that like vomit comet thing? Was it all CGI? Was it what, Dan? Were they underwater? Yeah, well, I'm glad you asked me because I was the special effects coordinator for <laughs> life. We did it. Uh, we had a magical genie on set. Wow. <laughs> what? It was uh, Shaquille O'Neal, actually. Oh wow! So really okay, I'm genie. glad that you. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad that you clarified it's a magical genie as opposed <laughs> to the normal ones. One of those non-magical genies that just works at a shoe store. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently, genies drive cabs if you watch American Gods. But that so. one's still magical. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but so I want to get back to this idea of genies working in shoe stores because they're always trying to sell you those shoes with the curly toes of the tips, and it's like I'm uh-huh. not an elf. I want regular shoes with regular toes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's my toes don't curl up like that. Yeah, I don't have curly toes. I like curly and the fries. Uh, and the 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 genie's break room is a is a magic lamp, right, guys? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. yep. <laughs> That's how the sketch that we're writing about a genie who sells shoes would work out. Uh, so um, it, we're in outer space. Uh, yeah. Now, there are a bunch of astronauts who are in a space station. One of them is Jake Gyllenhaal, who's been in space longer than any other person, I think. He likes it in space. And uh, yeah. there's also there's a lady who's the head of security. There's a lady who's the captain. There's a black British guy who's a scientist. And there's Ryan Reynolds, who is, what, an engineer? I'm not quite sure. And uh, he's, he, yeah, I'm not sure. He just seems to be like jack of all trades he, astronaut guy. He's like the blue collar Joe who's there. He's like the, yeah, uh, here's my analogy Joe Rogan is to news radio as Ryan Reynolds is to the movie Life. Yeah. Okay. If something needs fixing, he's going to fix it. Now, they've got to catch a probe with a Mars soil sample. Everybody- there's also there's also a uh, there's also a scientist from Japan as Jesus. well. Oh, right. This is a multinational. That's right. Group of astronauts. There's a Japanese scientist whose wife gives birth while they're in space. Very touching. Uh, mm-hmm. She's not in space, space though. She's on the planet Earth. Yeah. So it's not like when the baby comes out. It's not like the afterbirth is just floating around and it's all goopy and weird. And mm-hmm. then they like toss then it around like a deflated volleyball. They fly around like Homer Simpson eating it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they they catch. They have to catch the probe. They're not sure if they'll be able to do it. But they do it. They do. You watch it all through a window in the control room, which makes kind of really cut cut down on the excitement for me. Uh, it was a little bit like at the end of the fighter for me, where you're watching the big boxing match, but it just looks like a boxing match on TV. Like they don't use the magic of movies to get you in close, but that's okay because the real magic starts when they're examining the soil and what do they find inside? Dan, they find a single cell. That uh, I think he was fishing for the title of the movie. Oh, dude. define life. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Stuart. I should have asked you. And Stuart, what form does this life take? Like a little blob. It's like a, a little single-celled blob, and they manage to... How did, how did, it just comes back to life when it hits the atmosphere inside the station, right? It just starts... No, they have to like heat, they heat it up. They, they got to like heat that pocket. shit up. That's right. They put it in the in the toaster. Of, <laughs> they put it in a toaster, and it goes ding, and jumps out and dances like the alien in Spaceballs. Yeah, yep. that's right. Hell, I'm a baby, and all that. Uh, what a movie this would have been. They named instead. Uh, it turns into a into a pile of goop. It turns into a tentacle goop monster. <laughs> yeah. Which it turns the thing into is, goop. if you're looking Grand for a movie thing. where, if you're looking for a movie where scientists just stick their hands in some goop, and then the goop uh, turns out to be a bad guy, there's so many other movies you could be watching. That's true. But they, what if they called this movie Bad Guy Goop? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, it certainly would stand out on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal, Ryan Reynolds, bad guy goop. 
Mm-hmm. Although I think Gwyneth Paltrow's company would probably sue them. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Uh, so, but and the alien monster does have a name. His name isn't Goop or Goopy or Goopo or Gooperino. Uh, there's a thing where they announced to the world we found life, and a kid from Calvin Coolidge High School. I guess what did she win a contest or something? And their school got, That's right. got to name the alien, and they name it Calvin, which is a lame ass president to name the first alien life after. <clears throat> Yep. And uh, I, does the alien live up to the legacy of Calvin Coolidge, Elliot? Uh, well, consi- the alien actually accomplishes in so many ways much more than Calvin Coolidge. Calvin Coolidge, mm-hmm. as a president, was kind of a non-entity for most of his presidency. Now, this was partly because, tragically, he lost his son while president, not in the cavernous hallways of the White House, but to an infection that then killed him. Uh, so he was really depressed for most of his, his second term uh, and didn't have really the energy to do much but meanwhile calvin the alien accomplishes a lot has it seems like endless reserves of energy mm-hmm. oh yes constantly. like calvin the alien is always like peeing on fords and stuff <laughs> yep. like that He's always or a chevrolet <laughs> yeah calvin the alien is always peeing on the logos of other aliens it doesn't like yeah mm-hmm. and uh yeah so we were introduced like the the uh the the early stage of this of the of this movie are fairly hopeful like the music is hopeful there's a lot of like i think we're introduced to all the characters in like one sweeping single shot sequence where everybody yeah. like floats by and we get to see we kind of get a rough layout of the space station a certain grand and everybody oh, like sorry. you're saying yeah and everybody just kind of talks in like technical space nonsense so that you're like hmm okay i kind of know what's going on there's a certain like grandeur and majesticness of space to this that i liked uh yeah it it feels like space is not is a place to be inspired by not just like a spooky place for a monster to get spooky uh and the british scientist we learn he's a paraplegic and he's especially interested in calvin because he thinks maybe this cell could hold the key to stem cell use that could bring his legs back and he likes being in zero G because he doesn't need legs to float around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like a vacation for oh, him. Oh yeah, yeah, because he's got like little, little, little skinny legs, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not that he's paralyzed. He's just ashamed of his skinny legs, and he doesn't realize the more he uses <laughs> them, the more they'll build up. You know. Yeah. Uh, Calvin goes from single cell to multi cell pretty fast, and uh, mm-hmm. they start anthropomorphizing it almost instantly. Like, it's basically yeah. just a tentacle with some hairs on it, and they're like, oh, Calvin wants this. Oh, Calvin, how are you today? Uh, it's, do the, are they feeding it? I couldn't quite understand how it was getting so big so fast. I'm not sure. I mean, what would they feed it? Like, hamburgers? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like theoretically, wimpy. I don't know. I mean, what would you do if you met an alien that is in our galaxy, like near Earth for the first time? What human food would you Not give nice. it? Hamburgers kind of cover everything, though, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, you got a little bit of vegetables, you got a little bit of bread. Oh, it's a hamburger with all the trimmings, you're saying. That's why it has vegetables. All the yeah. trimmings, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you put cheese on it? Yeah, I'd give, a, I'd give, a, give this alien a cheeseburger. Ketchup. Yeah, of course. Ketchup, uh, mustard. Maybe mayo if the aliens from France. What about like mm-hmm. an egg, like a fried egg? Is that more of a chivito at that point? Uh, you know, you could be right about that. I'm not a huge fried egg on a burger okay. guy, but you know, 
Now, here's the question. Who knows? Maybe maybe these scientists like fried eggs on burgers. We have to assume they do. We have no evidence that they don't. Now, here's my question. <laughs> the alien is their first taste of a burger. Do you take them for like a really – like a Minetta Tavern Black Label burger, like a really expensive one? So their first taste is great and you know they're going to like it? Or do you start them with like uh-huh. a McDonald's burger so that they have room to move up and, and have better tastes? <laughs> Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's. I think it's the same kind of a theory. If when you meet this alien and you want to introduce it to anime, <laughs> do you show it Akira first? <laughs> no, if you show it Akira first, it's gonna be disappointed by almost everything. So what do you start it with? Like Project Aco? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Golgol thirteen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with Golgol 13, but I mean the animation quality is not no, the not same. Akira. This is Stewart's audition to NASA to be the <laughs> ambassador to space. Uh, okay, he knows how to start everyone out on whatever. Mr. Wellington, uh, those are some interesting theories. What if you were starting the you met an alien and you wanted to start it out with, let's say, heavy metal music? Okay. So I would have to play Surfing with the Aliens by Joe Satriani. I know it doesn't totally fit the bill, but it's really awesome. And I'd want to see if the alien little blob would get on a surfboard. (laughs) Well, Stuart, I've got two words for you. You're hired. Oh, wow, great. The ambassador Uh, of space. That's what I, Donald Trump, the dumbest man in the world, say. <laughs> well, I appreciate his self-understanding. Uh, okay, well, I'm going to need like two weeks. i got to give my old job two weeks before I can take this job. No, I understand that. I understand that. I appreciate it. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, we kind of need someone who can start today. Are you okay just kind of dicking your old bosses over? I don't know. Uh, you seem like a person who doesn't appreciate integrity. Not at all. So, uh, yeah, I guess maybe I'll uh, I'll do it. I'll just quit my job working at uh, Blockbuster Video, where I tell everybody about my favorite anime. <laughs> the job skills are so transferable. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, and I'm still working at a Blockbuster Video that somehow I keep open through sheer force of will, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the genie from Shazam is helping you do that, too. (laughs) Well, ever since his shoe store closed, because no one wanted those curly-toed shoes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, So, what were we about to say? Oh, What were you going to say? I was going to say something about the plot. I was just going to say that the monster in this film, to me... Well, maybe this is better to say later, but, like, to me, the monster starts out scarier than it does and then it ends up. But we can talk about that later. Now, Calvin wants to touch fingers with the British scientist, and he turns into kind of like... A miniature one of those used car fan mans that uh that stand outside uh-huh. and move around. Everyone's super excited about it. They can't wait. They're so amazed. The Japanese crew member, his wife gives birth. Uh for some reason in the lab they have a rat strapped into like an S and M harness. I never really understood why that was there. Uh it, they cut through every now and then to show its reaction to Calvin, and I'm always like, Why they never talk about it. And they're not doing nope. any studies on it. It's literally just a rat strapped to a table with like a harness on it and a thing on its head, and it's really creepy. Uh, I love, I, I mean, you say they cut to it for reactions. I would love it if it was like sitcom-style reactions. Like every once in a while they cut to the rat, and the rat goes, <laughs> Like Christina Applegate walked into the room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ow! So wait, wait, is it in the audience of the sitcom? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. No, it's not, it's not an actor in the sitcom. Capital okay. Critters. Come on. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. Uh, but 
No, that makes sense. Yeah, it it makes way more sense that the rat is attending a taping of a sitcom than being it's a it's a tourist rat. This show was taped for a live studio rat. It's a tourist rat. Yeah, because he's from New York and he's going to L.A., so he wants to see a show. Yeah. So anyway, well, the uh, Calvin. So the scientist is like, "This is great. Everything's lovey dovey with Calvin and the and the astronauts," until. And th- yeah, at this point, I'm like, man, this movie's going to have a really positive message about people connecting through communication. Uh, it's going to be a real, uh, what's a positive story, a science fiction story about aliens? Like Childhood's End? Arrival. Arrival. Yeah, arrival. E. It's going to be yeah. a real E.T. Arrival, Childhood's End type thing. But no. Calvin, one day, he just stops moving. They seal the lab for everyone's safety because, I don't know, maybe, he, maybe there's bad stuff in there. Uh, and the scientist decides to shock it back to life. They do. Let, mm-hmm. Let's on a on a let's say on a scale from one to ten, how much does Calvin like being shocked back to life? Mm. <sighs> one meaning loves uh, it. What's what's ten? What is ten? He loves it or ten? Actually, he hates 10 it. Ten loves it. One is hates it. <laughs> I think he kind of liked uh, really? it. Really? Because he responds by yeah. grabbing the scientist's <laughs> hand so hard that it twists and cripples. Uh, and at this point, Calvin, <laughs> to me, he looked kind of like self-aware computer-generated mozzarella cheese there's just like sticky strands stretching <laughs> yep. out and uh one of the there's a point at where uh what the scientist says about calvin he lost interest and that was kind of how i started feeling about the movie at that point but uh he crushes the scientist's hand and the scientist is like ah my hand ah and the other guys were like let go ah but we can't let him out he's he, they have this firewall system of security between the lab and the rest of the station they're like, can't breach the firewall. Ah! But then Calvin picks up a sharp tool and cuts through the handling glove the scientist uses and runs and gets runs over to the S and M rat, eats it by turning it into a globby mm-hmm. glob and absorbing its essence or something. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is Ryan Reynolds is like, I'm gonna go in there and save that scientist. But then Ryan Reynolds grabs his leg. Oh, no, not Ryan Reynolds. Calvin. Wait, it grabs. Calvin yeah. grabs Ryan Reynolds, Reynolds, Reynolds doesn't grab it. Ow, legs. ow, I can't go in there. My legs hurt. <laughs> he takes a soccer-style yeah, dive. Uh, and he, they give Calvin a red card, and Calvin has to stay out for the rest of the game. Uh, Calvin grabs yeah. his leg. Ryan Reynolds is trying to kill it with a some kind of flamethrower that they had in there for some reason. That CGI flame comes out, and for a little bit, it's like yeah. Space Ghostbusters. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it... It doesn't seem to do anything at all to Calvin, No, he, right? Fire seems to just make it, he, he shrugs it off. He's like, meh, whatevs. Yeah, I've seen better. It is one of his, uh, one of Calvin's many talents is being impervious to flames. Yes. Uh, Calvin, it, it's also, it's one of these things, Calvin is roughly, at this point, two days old, or three days, maybe he's a couple weeks old. He is barely a multicellular organism, and he is somehow already smarter than every human being on the station. He's able to outwit them at every turn, even though he doesn't know human technology. He can he like doesn't know the layout of the ship, but he seems to pick that up pretty instantly. But at this point, he's still trapped. Well, still- wait, what? Well, as they say, the, one of the scientists say, every part of Calvin is muscle, every part of him is brain, and every part of him is eye. Like every cell, yeah, every cell does everything. In him is, but even then, he's he's not everything. that big. Like he's he's not. Yeah. He wouldn't be like a huge brain or anything. But I guess when all your parts are doing everything, then it would make, I would assume it would make it harder to multitask. But maybe it's because he's so ultra focused. Calvin is like the four hour week, work week alien. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't waste a second yeah. or a cell. Uh, and he crawls inside Ryan Reynolds' mouth. 
and he makes CGI zero-G blood come out of Ryan Reynolds' mouth until Ryan Reynolds is dead. What? Yep. The movie's Deadpool? Ryan Reynolds is dead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Calvin was able to do what Deadpool's enemies were not able to do, is shut up the merc with the mouth. <laughs> by, sh- by climbing into that... Un- un- that... Uh, <laughs> that uh, uh, what's the gob? The uh, everlasting gobstopper that is his gob, his mouth. That wasn't worth mm-hmm. me trying to figure yep. out the name of that candy. That was a waste <laughs> of time. <laughs> and it was at this point that I realized, oh, this is not really a science fiction movie so much as a horror movie. And it's finally, it's achieving what I've always wanted, which is a horror movie where everyone's floating all the time. Mm-hmm. Up till this point, I thought that was going to have to be Bath, the horror movie about a bath <laughs> that kills people. Yep. Yep, you you were working on that one, yeah, weren't you? I'm working on. And it's and the tagline is you'll be too afraid to take a bath after you see bath. Mhm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that and it turns out it's the ghost of Elizabeth Bathory who's behind it all. You read the script already. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. But they just call yep. it bath. Make sure to pack your no more tears shampoo. Uh, so you can s- you won't be crying, and you can watch the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Elliot, <laughs> Elliot, I want to I want to talk to you about this tagline in baths. No one can hear you yeah. scream because I don't think that that's factually I true. Mean, I scream all the time in the bath, and people I guess ignore me. <laughs> I'm like I like to sing in splish splash at the top of my lungs because that's the song you have to sing when you're in the bath. Oh yeah, legally. And then, or the singing in the bathtub, la 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 la, la 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 la. Watching all my troubles go something down the drain. What's another bath song? Name it. I don't know. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we email Kevin McAllister? <laughs> <laughs> Is that singing in the bathtub? Was that like a popular song of like the twenties or something? Like I only know it from I, cartoons. I have to assume so. There's a. I, yeah. I don't know if it's a real song or if it's a song they made up for the cartoons. And then it just got yeah. popular with other cartoons. Yeah, are you exactly. saying like people went out and bought the fucking record for <laughs> singing right. in the bathtub? <laughs> They're like, hey, uh, can I get that new singing in the bathtub? Uh, I don't know. They're like, I want seven I inch want rain and blood, and I want somewhere in time, and I want singing in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the only three records that were available at this yeah. store. The store it's called uh, it's called Bloodbath. And it's all it's all heavy metal <laughs> oh, yeah, in that one bath song. I mean, bloodbath is a better name for the screenplay you're working oh, on. You're by right, the way, bloodbath because it's a bath that kills people. All right, and the tagline yeah. is, "That's a lot of blood in that bath." <laughs> wow. Right, the tagline is, "After you, after the blood, it's the only bath." No, you're gonna need a bath after this bath. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. So, okay. okay, the bath stuff's figured out. They lose communication with Earth because Calvin escapes through a vent, and I couldn't really understand if it was just a coincidence or if they were saying Calvin somehow screwed up the communications equipment. What do you guys think? I think they were saying that he screwed it up because he knows how, like, the first thing you got to do is cut the phone yeah. lines. Yeah. And the commander goes out to fix the transmitter. As we all know from 2001 A Space Odyssey, you never go out to fix out the communication satellite because it means something bad's going to happen to you. And Calvin, he's like a big booger octopus now he's crawling all over her body like a regular dream of the fisherman's wife uh and we find out it's been drinking shift coolant uh it loves it it's like uh when when uh here's a true story that i'm gonna tell you guys that involves stargazing i was okay (laughs) it involves me drinking ships coolant. i was in a drinking contest uh at marion ravencroft's ravenwood's place 
And uh, what's your <laughs> last name? Ravencroft or Ravenwood? Ravenwood. Ravenwood. Ravencroft. What's that? Uh, there's a. Is that Thurl Ravencroft? Maybe that's the is that Tony the Tiger? Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Were they, is that her dad who was there's a professor Thurl Ravencroft? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's like you're a mean one, Mister Jones. Like, Doctor Jones, this adventure is great. Yeah. Are you suggesting that he changed his daughter's last name partially when? I mean, it's better than Obi-Wan not changing Luke's last name at all. That's true. That was crazy, dude. I have to assume George Lucas was like, a lot of people have made a good point that they should have changed Luke's last name from his evil dad's last name. So in this one, uh, Thurl, to hide his daughter, Marion, he changes the last name a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm off to the plaid flannel shirt store. (laughs) Running low. Uh... Uh, oh, but here. So, guys, I was going to tell you my coolant story. All right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, although I guess actually it's the opposite of coolant. Never mind. Forget I said anything. <laughs> Wait, what? Actually, I realized it was an antifreeze story, which is not this. So, guys, here's what I was going to tell you about coolant. So, what Calvin drinking the coolant reminds me of a time that I was in Glacier National Park in mm-hmm. Montana. Yeah. And my wife and I went stargazing. It's the highest. We went to the highest point in the park uh, that you can go to. I think at uh, the visitor center at Logan's Pass, and all there's no lights there, so you can see the whole Milky Way. It was amazing. And in the parking lot, you had all these bighorn sheep staggering around, licking antifreeze off the ground. And the park rangers were like, "Oh yeah, they love to drink the antifreeze. We don't know if it's good for them or not. Anyway, just try not to get in their way." So you're just like walking around, looking at the stars, and every now and then a bighorn sheep just kind of wobbles by you, licking the ground. And I feel like it wasn't good for them, and this coolant that Calvin was drinking maybe wasn't good for him either. What, what do you guys think? Does do Calvin think, have a problem? Do you think that's what made him into kind of a jerk? Very possible. <laughs> I think he might have gotten drunk on coolant. Yeah. <clears throat> so at this point, Calvin has a body count of one guy's hand and one Ryan Reynolds, right? Yeah, but he quickly adds the, the commander to that because he breaks her coolant thingy and... Uh, she, and she's drowning in it inside of her inside of her helmet. Jake Gyllenhaal's like, I'm going to open the airlock. You come out and, and get in here. But she decides that she'd rather try to keep Calvin outside of the space station and sacrifices herself and refuses to get back in. But uh, Calvin does get back in. Yeah, yeah of course he does. Or it else does. this movie would be done. <laughs> yeah, or else the movie would be over and the rest would just be them dealing with the trauma of what happened. Yeah. yeah, I like that the next moment, Calvin's running around the outside of the ship and the uh, the brainiacs in the space station are like, hey, let's start firing off the thrusters and maybe we'll cook him up. And then <laughs> yeah. uh, then they're like, oh, shit, we used all of our gas and we're now going to crash into Earth. <laughs> they're not great at uh, thinking about new situations, these guys. They might be book smart, but they're not street smart. And Calvin, he was raised on the streets. Yeah, dude. He stepped right up to them. And uh, so so Calvin gets back inside. They're going to crash. And then some other shit happened. And I, got, I kind of stopped paying attention for a minute. Battle. So they start, they start shutting down the life control areas or life support areas from the parts of the station that he's in to kind of force him into hibernation. And we get a couple moments of Calvin's eye view. And it's all bubbly and silly looking. Like, yeah, it's really dumb. It, it looks, it's not a good choice. Uh, the scientist who had the bad leg, he gets all weak and fainty and feels guilty. And then turns out, 
uh, Calvin's on his leg, and they hit it with a defibrillator <laughs> and run away from it. Uh, and they, uh, they, they kind of, it's, at this point, Calvin, to me, he's kind of very delicate and flowy, and he looked a little bit to me like uh, an evil version of when you go to a Chinese restaurant and they make a flower out of vegetable slices. Uh-huh. Yeah. This is what Just I wanted to, to say er- earlier about Calvin. It's like, when he's like, these like uh, cells that have all they're all working together and like grabbing at the guy's uh, finger. I was very tense because I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I know that Calvin probably has to attack at some point, but I don't know when. Like, and it genuinely looked alien. But like, the more it just became like this like floaty like octopus guy. Yeah. Like, the less scared I was of Calvin. Like, he looked alien, but it didn't look alien in a way that was like, my brain can't comprehend this, like, and thus it's scary to me. One of the things I liked, I, I kind of liked about it is that it didn't have an obvious, uh, like, means of killing people. Like, it's not spitting acid on you, and it doesn't have, uh, like, claws. No, it it's nearly just, crawls in your mouth and liquefies your insides. Yeah, it like it like squeezes the shit out of you, and that that's kind of scary to me. Honestly, <laughs> it would be scarier to me if instead of killing you, it just squeezed you so hard that your shit came out. Yeah, <laughs> it literally yeah. squeezed the shit out of you, and then you were just embarrassed in front of everybody. Yeah, and you were like, "It was Calvin! I swear it was Calvin!" And they're like, "Sure thing, Ryan Reynolds, you can't hold your poop in." And then it's zero G, so your poop is floating around all over the place, and it's really gross. Yeah, it's such a pain to get out of there. Yeah, uh, you gotta clean it out from in between all the little crevices in the control panel. Ugh. So they do. There's some like running around and racing around. Uh, the guy with the bad leg dies. Uh, yeah. the the Japanese scientist hides in what his like life support pod. Yeah, basically, it, they have these like sleeping pods, sleeping and he gets pod. into his, and but that doesn't work, and it eats him. Well, no, I mean it works for a while, and then they they try and lure him into the like the one side of the. They try to lure him into a basically a dead chamber using that dead body to try and like blow up that chamber or something or like cut it off from the rest of the Yeah, they're they're trying to send it into suspended animation by cutting off all the oxygen or whatever. So they're luring Calvin into one thing and then this other uh space station comes crashing into the space station they're on and it here's the they, it hears that they sent out a distress signal before they yeah. lost communication, and this—that's when this pod is. It's like when the cops show up in Return of the Living Dead. Yep. That they're like bumbling in and immediately <clears throat> get killed. Well, Rebecca Ferguson explains that uh, this is not a rescue mission. That like the protocol is that this uh, other pod is there to push them out to deep space. Like uh-huh. it's a extreme quarantine. Uh, oh, you mean thing. it's an extreme quarantine? Yeah, but the. Uh, but the other guy thinks that it's a rescue, and so he rushes out of his sleeping pod and tries to get into the yeah. thing. He opens up the door to the shuttle uh, just in time for Calvin to get in there and kill the guys driving it. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, it's like the astronauts make all the dumbest moves. Yep. To, and uh, it's if there was a way for them to like run upstairs. Mm-hmm. Where the killer can get them better. Right. I guess that's the whole movie is the space equivalent of running upstairs and hiding in a closet, so it's easier for the killer to get to you. Yep. Yeah, I wonder uh, if Calvin used the uh, the shuttle's computer after he got done killing them to be like, 
Send more pods. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, I guess it's related to that. The airlock is open, and they're in danger of being sucked into space, and they are tasing Calvin and chasing him. And at this point, I kind of had less interest in following it precisely. But there's a lot of it's your basic. They try to they try to smash uh, Calvin. They try to stop Calvin. He keeps escaping. Uh, you keep seeing things happening from behind thick panes of glass because the movie loves that. Yep. Uh, they're losing their atmosphere, and Jake Gyllenhaal does a dramatic reading of Goodnight Moon, which considering it's a book that I read to my son often, should be more touching than it is. Uh-huh. Insta- it's kind of, there's a, he gets to the part in the book where it's Goodnight Nobody, which I find genuinely moving in the book, but when he reads it, he kind of looks up as like, is that, is that are people crying? <laughs> <laughs> Have we elevated the form? Like, are we more than just a boogeyman in a ghost house movie? Uh, Jake says, look, I don't like going down to Earth. I hate those people. I like being in space. I'll sacrifice myself. I'm going to lure Calvin into one of the escape pods, and then I'm going to drive it into deep space, and I'm just going to let him kill me out there. And uh, the captain's like, no, no, okay, and I'll take this other pod, and I'll just go home. Uh, Calvin is surprisingly obliging to this plan, and he just follows Jake into the capsule. Like, you know, they lure him in, but he just fo- it's the one time where Calvin isn't smarter than the other characters. Yeah, because he, so- likes, he likes hugging those, uh, those, like, glow sticks or whatever they leave. They keep leaving these like, uh, yeah, these like uh, lighting bars. Mm-hmm. He likes, and he chases after him. And also, frankly, I think Calvin just has a thing for Jake Gyllenhaal. Who doesn't? Yeah, the man's very handsome. Yeah, I mean, he's great. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. he's got such. He saw Buffy him. was a jarhead. Mm-hmm. And 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 you saw him in Nightcrawler. Super uh, creepy. He's got range. Yeah. What about that and, one where he was uh, he was like a a boxer whose wife got killed, and then he has to uh, box the guy who shot her. Uh, <laughs> what? It was called. Uh, uh, on, it was called uh, an Eminem did a song for it. It was called Southpaw. Yeah, oh, okay. it was. I think it was original. I didn't know that was it the was, plot of it. That... Yeah, it was written by Kurt Sutter of TV's Sons of Anarchy. He had to box the guy who killed his wife, or like the guy whose friend killed his wife. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> I think originally it was meant to be like. I, I don't think, think there was a while where they were considering it to be like a sequel to Eight Mile. I don't think there's a, such a thing as conflict of interest <laughs> in boxing, but it seems like there should be. Hey, you want to re- this guy too hard. I'm going to recuse myself from this boxing match. Yeah. Uh, but no, Dan, there's no morality in boxing. Come on, it's, you're, you're just watching two guys punch each other a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The sweet science, they call it. <laughs> so, Jake... You know what's not sweet to science? Calvin. Calvin, no. Cal- so, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is flying his little escape pod. He's hugging Calvin. They're loving it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yep. But Calvin and, starts, he restrains Jake, and he won't let him steer. And Jake Gyllenhaal's like, ah, no, no. He's like, and, I didn't expect this very obvious eventuality. <laughs> <laughs> this alien that keeps overpowering people. I thought once he got into the pod, he'd kind of let me do my business. Because yeah. at the very least, in Alien, when Sigourney Weaver gets in the escape pod, the alien lets her make herself comfortable for a certain amount of time. It lets her take her clothes off, put that other suit on get in the seat and start driving. And only yep. then does the alien like just climb out of the walls. Yep. Well, they, uh, ha- they have a sense of timing. <laughs> yes. Xenomorphs, you mean? Yeah. Xenomorphs. They have a sense of timing. Calvin's do not. Calvin only wants to survive. And I guess he's playing Calvin ball, which has no rules. He's just making them up as he goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. So Rebecca Ferguson's, uh, 
escape pod goes off at the same time and we see these two escape pods and one of them gets knocked off course by some space debris and uh it doesn't i'm they the movie tries to play i think the movie tries to play with you a little bit like which one's flying into outer space which one's going to earth but you know which one's going to fucking earth it's the bad guy they try to trick you into thinking that Jake Gyllenhaal is getting killed as he flies into deep space while Rebecca Ferguson is going to Earth. Except Rebecca Ferguson keeps going, no, 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 no. And it's like, well, if the plan is going according to plan, would she really be saying that? She seems yeah. really frightened and unhappy. Yep. Uh, there's a moment where the capsule breaks through the atmosphere and is floating through the sky. And that that scene was kind of kind of pretty. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh oh, it's a switch em up. It, what you like you said, Stuart, the bad guy capsule lands and it's found by some fishermen. And Jake Gyllenhaal's going, "No, no, don't open my capsule!" But they do. <laughs> yeah, the end. The Earth is doomed. It's a real gokey body snatcher from hell ending. This is one of those movies too where they find this alien life form. They're mm-hmm. having a lot of trouble killing it on a space station where there's only five people and they don't have a lot of weapons. And they're like, "We can't let this get to Earth because then the Earth is doomed and humanity is doomed, and no one has a chance." But I kept thinking, like, if the military was taking this on, I kind of believe humanity, maybe it might be difficult for a little while, but we could probably destroy Calvin. Yeah, dude, it's on our on our fucking home turf, man. I kept it's it. Even, yeah, welcome to Earth. Punch it in the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not an away game like they were doing up on that space station. I kept expecting them to make more of the fact, though, that there was, you know, every part of it is everything. The whole, like, a single cell of it has everything because that everything is illuminated yeah well i just, yeah jonathan saffron four no i i figured that uh rebecca ferguson maybe would make it would make it back to earth but even if she had like a single cell of the creature on her i expected it, that to be the it could re- reanimate but that's not what they did sorry no. archie got a hold of a uh a a bottle top and is chasing it all over creation. Yeah. I wondered why it sounded like jingle bells over there, but not particularly coordinated jingle bells. <laughs> and so, life, the end. And you're left wondering, will there be life on Earth anymore? <laughs> yes, there will be, but it'll be Calvin. Yeah. Dan, are you going to take that bottle cap away from I, I don't know if <laughs> I can. Go, Hold on. Here. You don't know if you can? Who calls the shots in your apartment? Well, I don't know whether uh, if I take my headphones off, there's going to be bleed on the. I guess yeah. it's, it's more it important to ble- get, yeah, get the a, bottle cap from the cat. I don't want some bleed from Elliot's voice when we could be having the beautiful sounds of a bottle cap sliding across the floor, scratching it up. Success. Fair I enough. We all know now. We know who wears the pants in Dan's apartment. <laughs> Archie, who wears little cat pants like mm-hmm. puss in boots. Yep. Adorable. Puss in pants. <laughs> Um, so we should, uh, do final judgments, I guess, on life, whether it was a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie we kind of liked. Stuart, what do you have to say about it? Uh, uh, well, this doesn't fit into the criteria of a good, bad movie. Um, I would say, I was going to say this kind of falls between bad, bad and movie I kind of liked because there's things like I like monsters and I like a weird blob that crushes people to death. Uh, and I like that they made a lot of effort to make it seem like they're actually floating around in outer space. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just like everybody just feels like they're so wrong headed and dumb in the movie and they just keep making the wrong decisions over and over and over. 
and the like when you when you introduce an alien that seems to have literally no weaknesses uh it makes it less interesting because you're like yeah it's just gonna keep killing you guys because it's like a it's it's like a like a Japanese ghost movie where the ghost you're like I have no idea the powers this thing is unstoppable, but unlike those movies, uh, nobody figures out uh, that it's you know just like a like a sad uh, sad ghost that wants to meet see its family again. It is it's an alien with very ill defined characteristics, and you never get a sense of that that there is a way to stop it. How would they even try it? Like. They're not. They're they. The characters kind of do. They never seem to have a chance because you never, like you're saying, you never really get the weaknesses. You don't really know what's going on. But it's not a bad movie. It's just like I wish I could rate this movie. No, actually, I don't. I was gonna say I wish I could rate this movie in a world where Alien doesn't exist because it's impossible to compare it to that. But yeah, I don't. I don't want to rate it in a world where Alien doesn't exist because I love Alien. I don't want to live in that world. Look. There's no, if Alien doesn't exist, the movie, uh, but uh, but <clears throat> world hunger has been cured. I don't know if that's the mo- world sure, I want to, choose, sure. to be honest. Actually, that's not true. I waited it too far. But uh, it's like an okay movie. But it when you have the option to watch this or a vastly better movie, a work of art, like a masterpiece, that's yeah. basically the same plot, just go watch the masterpiece. Yeah, I'm with you guys uh, for the most part. I uh, I liked the first act of this movie fairly well. Like, I thought that when they're all just like floating around and we we're, you know, like we were prepping for the horror that was to come. I'm like, oh, this is like a not a bad setup for an alien movie. Like, and I could see like this is kind of creepy the way that they're setting this uh, thing up to pay off. But then it turned into a really standard sort of stock and slash kind of style horror movie where the action sequences weren't that clearly um choreographed so it wasn't like even scary when when the supposed scares came on so it was on the verge of a movie i kind of liked but i think i guess it's just bad yeah yeah i mean like i mean i feel like just watch just watch prometheus i feel like prometheus is if you want a movie where everybody's constantly making the wrong choices at least Prometheus is pretty. If you want to watch a movie that's like Alien but not as good as Alien, watch Prometheus. Yeah. Uh, I think it's like the movie had a lot of potential because it enters, it realizes that space can be beautiful, but it can also be terrifying. And I wish that the terror it was trying to evoke was more of that sense of cosmic terror where man is an ant in the face of God, basically, which I love that kind of stuff. But yeah. Instead, it's just it's just ah, there's a killer loose on the ship. Like in a lot of ways, it's not that different than like Jason X. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. no, I think that's fair. Except if only the they had a weird star. like hologram simulation deck to trick Calvin with. <laughs> <laughs> now it's time for letters from listeners like you, and the first letter is from Jessica, last name withheld, who writes. I have a two-year-old son who recently fell in love with Pixar's WALL-E. What prompted me to write to you was actually the very first moments of WALL-E, which starts out with Michael Crawford belting out, put on your Sunday clothes from the musical Hello, Dolly. Every time I hear that voice burst into enthusiastic singing, I can't help but think of Elliot and his male songs. Michael Crawford sounds exactly like if Elliot took voice lessons. Still reedy, still high-pitched, but on key. 
I also learned that the producers of Hello, Dolly were planning on dubbing over Crawford's singing voice, but Gene Kelly fought to keep it authentic. I must admit that I was annoyed by the singing at first, but now every time we start a viewing of Wally, I find myself looking forward to those first nasally notes. So my question is, has there been an actor in a movie, musical or not, that annoyed you at first and then grew on you upon further watching? Keep on singing, Elliot, and keep on flopping in the free world. Jessica, last name withheld. Thanks, Jessica. I wish that I could be uh, get singing lessons and uh, and then be in a musical, but maybe not that one. No, not Hello well, Dolly. If it meant I ended up in Wally, I saw. Uh, I think it was the marquee for Hello Dolly, which is on Broadway right now with Bette Midler. And on the marquee, it says, or maybe it was a poster on one of the other theaters. It says, "Hello Dolly, the best musical ever." And it was like, no one believes this. <laughs> it has one song that everybody loves. Nobody believes Hello Dolly is the best musical ever. Did like, you did you stand by that poster and you're like, come on, is anyone else seeing this? <laughs> I just stood by it and shook my head like, no, no, no. So that the tourists would know not to go to that one. <laughs> Waiting for New York One, uh, New York One's theater critic Roma Tori to show up and interview you. <laughs> <laughs> one man has a crusade against Bette Midler in... Hello, Dolly. No, no, no. It's not Bette Midler I don't like, is what I say to her. I just, I take issue with this poster. Everyone knows it's not the greatest musical of all time. Because, Dan, everyone knows that that is... Uh... I, Jesus, I don't know. Uh, I have a lot of favorites. Sweeney Todd, The Music Man. No, no, no. Jekyll and Hyde, but only when Sebastian Bach was in it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cats. Now and forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the story of a deli. <coughs> uh, what was the question? Who did so we... was there an actor that you didn't like at first or annoyed you, and then you came? They grew on you. Yeah, uh, I don't know if he annoyed me, but uh, I had a big problem when Heath Ledger first was in the uh, public eye because I felt like they're really trying to sell us on Heath Ledger. Yeah, you know, it was like yeah, you're like you're thinking of all the things that you hate about him. Yeah, and you came to at least ten, right? Well. <laughs> Ten Things I Hate About You was a perfectly good movie uh-huh. for what it was, but I wasn't like this guy is going is going places. And then well, they're like they're really a Knight's Tale. They really they're giving him the push Hall treatment. The real, yeah, like here's the new it guy. Yeah, and and Dan, I know that you're talking about it because you like to speak ill of the dead, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> fuck that guy's early works. <laughs> no, the whole point of it is I turned around on him. Uh, you know, broke back Mount, broke back mountain, and then dark night. I was like, this guy's amazing. Yeah, I was kind of that way with Jake Gyllenhaal uh, too. I uh, yeah, I really don't like Donnie Darko, but over time, I came to accept that this beautiful man with a puppy dog face is a pretty good actor. And in a way, I felt that way about Ryan Reynolds, who oh, for a long weird. time to me was just two guys a girl in a pizza place and. Uh, Van Wilder. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, Van Wilder seems like the most Elliot movie I can think of. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love the stories of guys who don't take college seriously and just get by on their looks and charm and don't play by the rules and everybody yeah. loves them. The story of a, a real overdog who goes to success. He's he, finally a story of an alpha who's showing all these betas what's what. Are you uh, mad because you wrote that Rise of Taj screenplay, and they went with a different Van Wilder 2 Rise of Taj screenplay when they uh, made Van Wilder 2 Rise of Taj. 
I mean, if I can be honest, the reason I don't like it is because Van Wilder is the kind of guy I will never be. Oh. Like 20% <laughs> by choice, 80% by that I was born a, a short, nerdy Jewish man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but over time, I've come to think of Ryan Reynolds as like, all right, yeah, he's fine. Yeah. He's good at what he does. And what he does yeah. is... might not be pretty. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was recently pointed out to me that, yes, his face is too small for his head, but... Aside from that, you know, that's how it is. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, he has a lot of far head. He has a five head, for sure. This has been uh, the Flophouse guys talk about actors they are intimidated by. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if I ever met him, I'd be super intimidated, because I'd expect him to make fun of me. It'd be mean to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a one-man quip machine. Uh, so, uh, what's the... Uh, we answered that question, right? Yeah, sure. You're asking for the next question? Is that what's going on? I mean, I think yeah, Dan's sure. scrolling through, uh, scrolling through his phone. No, I've got it right here. I just was uh, checking what I was just making sure we're all on the same page here. Sure. Uh, this one, <laughs> this one's from Ben. Last name withheld. Dan, if okay. you can stop swiping left on all those single babes and and get back to the podcast. Uh, they don't meet my high standards, Elliot. <laughs> wait, wait, is left the good one or the bad Left's one? Left's the bad one. Oh, okay. Uh, politics just kidding (laughs) uh ben writes Uh recently i went through the end of a long relationship the death of my laptop and dog and sorry the death of my laptop and dog and moving back home after six years on my own it's interesting that they mentioned the laptop first it seems like were they built building it for drama or is that the order of importance is that the billing yeah, it seems. Uh, You'd think the dog is the headline. Yeah, let's make fun of this. Let's make fun of this guy who's been through a lot of loss. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, he lost his laptop. Anyway, keep going. Uh, through all that, your podcast has always put a smile on my face and a laugh in my gut. Except for oh. right now, probably. Oh, I feel bad now. I'm sorry about that. I got too mean. This is what happens when I'm not in the same room as Dan and Stewart. Is I forget that I'm talking to human beings about other human beings. Yeah, your em- empathy receptors can't pick it up. I don't know. It seems like when you're in the same room as me, sometimes your empathy receptors are pretty low, too. <laughs> oh, I turn those <laughs> off when I'm around you, Dan. Yeah. Okay. Uh, ben continues to write, I was exposed to you guys at the very, very fun day in Chicago, and your back catalog is the only thing I've listened to since. Also, the phrase, spookily good bad, has worked its way into my vocabulary. My question is, if you had to have your life, not a biopic, but your real life, Written and directed by any filmmakers, which would you choose? The benefit to moving home to the East Coast is being able to attend your future life events. Well, maybe not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, someday, maybe. Again, can't thank you guys enough for helping me through a dark period. Don't flop believing. Ben, last name withheld. So hey, who Ben, direct- thanks for listening, and I'm sorry that I said that stuff. <laughs> I appreciate I mean, you listening, who- Ben. Oh, man. Elliot's in hot water again. Oh boy, another one of my hot takes has backfired. Mm-hmm. So just like my hot cakes often backfire by being so delicious mm-hmm. that they sell out before I can have one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I didn't realize when I first read this, uh, he wants us to put the director of our real lives, not a movie of our real life. Yep, so that's pretty that, clear. That's that's a little different than uh, I was thinking at first. Because I mean, if if I wanted Wait, someone to what? direct my real life. Obviously, it would be Tento Brass. Yeah, I was, uh, I was assuming you were going to say Zolman King. <laughs> <laughs> or Jim Wynarski. <clears throat> yeah. 
Yeah, Andy Sedaris. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's hard to not have choose Andy Sedaris, but yeah. uh, I I mean uh, I could have I could enjoy living in like a Whit Stillman movie for a while. Okay. Yeah, everyone's everyone's kind of rich and they're all very articulate. Um, how about a nice Frank Capra film where everything turns out all right, but was despite going through some strife. I mean, Frank Capra's characters go through hell. Like that's true. Several of them attempt suicide at different points. Yeah, but, but then they get okay in the end. But then they get confirmation that God exists. So okay, that's after fair. after trying to commit suicide, so it seems like a fair trade. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably so say, say what Stuart Gordon. I was gonna say like Wes Craven. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, just to add a little bit of spice in this life of mine. (laughs) (laughs) Your dreams have been a little too safe lately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't run into, like, a convicted murderer who's given the electric chair, who then travels through, uh, who survives somehow and becomes, like, an electricity-based bad guy. Right. That that hasn't happened to me yet. That hasn't happened to you? I think you can probably count on one hand the number of people who have had that happen in their lives. Every time I go down a staircase, I quickly check under the stairs to see if I can meet some people. <laughs> just just people? Yeah. Yeah, and don't forget all that stuff with the violins. <laughs> Music of the heart, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> people forget he did that. <laughs> yep, nope, I, I had forgotten too, thanks. Yeah, not me. Hey, what, I'm ready for Wes Craven's, Craven's Remembrance Day. <laughs> uh, and, of course, it, it, when you're living in Wes Craven's life, uh, there's one house you don't want to go into. Which one? Uh, Toll House, because those <laughs> cookies are addictive. <laughs> those chocolate chips don't have too many. They're not good for you. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, last letter. Oh, and also White Castle, which is technically a house for a king. <laughs> yeah, a racist house for a king. Uh, this last letter is from Brennan, last name withheld. Who writes, hey, Flop Dusters, I wanted to oh, congratulate Elliot on his, impending, on his impen- impending move to L.A. As a Southern California resident, I can speak for us all when I say we're happy to have you. Dan, you're not reading it in a cool SoCal voice. Uh, Jesus, I don't know if I can. I've been thinking about how movies shape the way we view the world. <laughs> and especially cities we've never been to. I've never visited New York City, so I can only assume it's the day-glow, toxic, waste-riddled Vancouver nightmare of Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. It's pretty close. My question for Elliot is, what movie depiction of L.A. do you wish the city was actually like? And for Stu and Dan, what are your favorite L.A. movies? Nightcrawler. Catch you on the flop side, Brennan withheld. (laughs) Nightcrawler in Chinatown. Like, what, what version of L.A. do I wish it was like? Uh, hold on, I closed that letter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. What what did you wish it was actually like? That's a tough one. There are so few movies that have positive views of L.A. I mean, as much as it's not a movie I loved, I would say La La Land because L.A. is fun and full of music. Even if a lot of that music is from like really sullen, sulky jazz guys who don't understand that they do their best work when they're playing keyboard behind John Legend. Yeah. <laughs> But like I could live in that world where people just break in a song all the time. You might say, I'm living in it right now because I'm living in a musical world and I <laughs> am a musical guy. You know that I am living in a musical world 
where people sing songs all the time. Bow, 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 in a musical, in a musical, in a musical. So I think that one, not because I like the movie, but just because it's like, what a positive version of the city to live in. Uh, white people know everything about jazz. And <laughs> to, to become a big movie star, all you have to do is have one audition and tell them a sad story about your aunt. Yeah. Are you guys, uh, are these a lot of important spoilers for La La Land? Am I not going to be able to watch it now? Uh, yeah, now you're gonna, it's going to yeah. be the, the twist ending of La La Land. Okay. Uh, yeah. But otherwise, like most ver- visions of LA and movies are pretty bleak. Like, I wouldn't want to live in like Blade Runner, maybe for like a day. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What about Chinatown, uh? Chinatown, it's just power gone corrupt. Chinatown, Mulholland Drive, Sunset LA Boulevard. Sunset yeah. Boulevard, it's like, uh, yeah, because at any moment you might end up in the clutches of an old silent queen. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's just like there's very few, I guess, or like, I mean, like in Harold Lloyd or Buster Keaton movies, at least like people are having fun, but you're always in peril of losing your life from physical craziness. There's just like, oh, you know what? Maybe the L.A. of Million Dollar Legs, which most of the movie takes place in the fictional country of Klopstockia. At the end, they compete in the Los Angeles Olympics of the 30s, and everyone seems to be having a good time then. Yeah. I, I, uh... I mean, the real answer is for me is Troop Beverly Hills. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Because it's, uh, it's just a fun movie, you know? Well, I think about, that a good... Uh, Beverly Hills Cop? Yeah, I think a good LA movie is uh, the Big Lebowski. It captures the uh, laziness of the California lifestyle pretty okay. well. Okay, okay, and I guess uh, so there's a lot of bowling, a lot of diners. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's my pick. Filled with quirky characters, mm-hmm. so Just... odd for a Coen Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our most straightforward. Uh, our tours. Yeah. Wee! Do we got another letter, Dan? No, that's it for tonight. Oh man! So what do we do now, Dan? Now is the well, time. I'll tell you what we do. We close up that letter bag and put it to sleep. No more letters tonight. You did some good work. Now catch some Z's. Z is a letter. Letters can have Z's because Z is a letter. Snore away in that mail sack. Your job is done for another show. We're going to put you down and tie you up and get you ready for next time because there's no sleep for letters. Get us some letters. Go find some letters. Letters, letters, letters. Wake up. All right. <laughs> real Thanks. indictment of the letter labor system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. For a second, I uh, dozed off, but you yeah, brought now, me back. Now that you're not, now that you're not in the same room as Stuart anymore, you can't see him get on his phone every time you start singing. Oh man, I'm gonna miss that. I'll just imagine it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, I got some hot stuff going on on this here mobile device. Mm. And in my imagination, he's gonna be just looking up pictures of Sluggo from Nancy Sluggo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sluggo! In this one, you're a beatnik. I remember that picture. Uh, so what do we uh, do now, Dan? Now is the time in the podcast where we uh, make recommendations of movies that you should see instead of watching life. Um, I'm going to make a recommendation that's going to be real timely by the time we release this episode, and that is 
Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, I enjoyed this movie. Are they, gonna, are they gonna erase all copies of the film in a couple <clears throat> weeks? No, yeah. it's just an extremely popular movie that uh, by the time that we probably get around to thinking like, oh, let's burn off that test episode, then it'll be like, oh uh, yeah, everyone knows fucking Spider-Man Homecoming. Big fucking news there dude i mean i mean kind of too late people have been looking knowing about that movie for like a year now yeah uh-huh. uh so i won't say that much about it other than it's currently it's uh, a little small budget feature it's currently just behind spider-man 2 for my favorite spider-man movie and that's uh, a hard one to top yeah if only they'd found a way to put the dance sequence from Spider-Man 3 into mm-hmm. Spider-Man 2. Maybe if I take the DVDs and I just shake my head him. back and forth really quickly. I thought you were just so going to like make him kiss. I make mean, what I'll probably DVDs. do is do what I always do, guys. <laughs> I'm going to put them both in the transporter and hit swirl. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's for. Yep. Uh, but the Spider-Man is a long movie. But it's not long in the way that many Marvel movies are in a like sort of tiring way. I feel like they use uh, all the extra time to put in nice little character beats and some comedy moments. And it, it doesn't feel like weighted down by a lot of unnecessary plot. It feels like everything that they add uh, is sort of charming stuff rather than like stuff that just makes the movie drag. So there's like a sequence where Peter's trying to hide his Spider-Man equipment. And of course he accidentally shoots out a web and it looks like he just like jacked off or something. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you got it, dude. <laughs> and, yeah. And we get to see his origin right, again, right? No, that's the beauty of it. No origin. In case we forgot. In case we forgot how it happened. No origin story. Is there a shot of uh, a woman in a fur coat falling in a uh, in an alleyway and pearls bouncing on the ground? No. Nope. Uh, Batman does not begin in this movie. <laughs> Is there a shot where a woman in a fur coat, the fur coat comes to life and starts biting her because of all the pink goop in the sewers, like in, Gr- <laughs> in Ghostbusters 2? Uh... No, that that scene would have worked if it was in Gremlins 2 as well. That's true. Good if that point. just happened, I'd have been like, oh, wow, I guess those gremlins got in the coat. Uh, but this movie had, does not have what Elliot hates, which is a big uh, glowing vortex at the end that they have to shoot into or stop things from coming out of or whatever. Oh, great. I hate uh, vortexes. How do we know it's a Marvel movie then? No, it's because... Uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s in it. Oh, okay. But uh, uh, the glue that holds the universe together. <laughs> but uh, it has a very like small sort of more. I mean, like it's a big climax, but the story is more small and personal, and so it works better for Spider-Man. And uh, you're saying you had you had a big climax when it was over. Yeah, I jizzed all over the place. Is what I'm trying to tell you guys. Whoa, Can whoa, I talk to Dan, you about my jizz? Dan. Whoa! As you have a bumper sticker that says "Ask me about my jizz." <laughs> yep. <laughs> Okay, so uh, call one eight hundred Dan McCoy. <laughs> wow, you got that number? That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I got in there early. It's also I was like, way someday too many I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh oh, Archie's all over the microphones again. Um. Okay, uh, so my recommendation, guys. I don't know if you remember a little story I told from a couple of months back when I went to. The City of Brotherly Love, Philadelphia, with my wife, and I sat down in the movie theater, 
only to angrily storm out after five minutes. Well, guys, I actually watched all of Logan the other night. And it was great. You did it. I did it, guys. See, the trick Still I had, works. the way works. I was able Still to do works. it. Still you know, works. Yes, we can. Si se puede. Everything was, everything was stacked against me. My wife and I were staying at a boutique hotel for our kiss anniversary, and she was uh, not feeling well. <laughs> you say that as if it's a thing that everyone... <laughs> <laughs> she was not feeling well, so she fell asleep early while we were watching an episode of Bar Rescue. So I surreptitiously pulled out, whipped out my little iPad, queued up Logan, and I got to watch that shit. I love uh, all the subterfuge that had to go on so you could watch Logan. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was really great. It's it's really cool to see a <laughs> Charlene wakes up and she's like, "Are you watching Logan?" She's like, "No, no, I'm watching porn." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, that's the thing. Americans are so uncomfortable about nudity, Dan, but they're so comfortable with violence. Mm. My wife turns that norm on its ear. Oh. Uh, so no, Logan is great. Um, if you haven't already seen it, you, and you have an affection for those characters, I'd recommend checking it out. It is incredibly violent. Uh, but I feel like it's really cool that they have taken characters that have been in so many movies and given them a a pretty fitting send off. Uh, so if if you get a chance, I'd check it out. It feels more like a western than a uh, than a superhero movie, um, and it has some really great performances. So, Logan, a fitting farewell to Hugh Jackman's forty fifth appearance as Wolverine. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, I'm gonna recommend. I was thinking slightly for life to recommend uh, a movie I've mentioned on the show before but have not fully recommended, I think, Possession, uh-huh. the Sam Neill movie in which Isabella Johnny leaves him for a tentacle monster. But if you want, if you go to that movie, you're not going to get what you want to get from life. You should just go see Alien instead. Uh, so instead, I thought, we're recording this like two weeks or so before I moved to L.A., and so I wanted to recommend the movies that created my image of New York in my head as a kid. Now, I grew up in New Jersey. I was always going into New York a lot because my grandmother lived there. But there are a couple movies that, uh, four in particular, that like I really built up my idea of what New York is from. Uh, and those are Ghostbusters, Muppets Take Manhattan, Gremlins 2, and King Kong, the original. And I just, you know, if you want to get a sense of what New York means to me uh, pre-teenagerhood, because that's when Taxi Driver and Manhattan hit pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, then those are the movies to watch, and those—that's the image of New York I want to keep with me. A place where a four four guys were down on their luck can open a successful ghost fighting business, where a frog can get a bump on his head and still get a pretty good job as a corporate guy, where you can build a big building, gremlins come and attack it, and the main result is Leonard Malton gets killed on TV, which is great programming, <laughs> and a place where. There's like this magical feeling that at any moment you might turn the corner and there's a big gorilla climbing up the side of a skyscraper. Uh, each of those movies kind of held a special kind of New York magic to me as a kid. And so especially for our listener who wrote in who has never been to New York, I feel like Ghostbusters, Muppets Take Manhattan, Gremlins 2, and King Kong, that's like the Elliot New York at least. All right. That's the section of the uh, the video store that those films are filed under. 
Go to Blockbuster. Yeah. Go to the go to the either the New York section and then look in the Elliot section and then look in Young Elliot, or go to the <laughs> Elliot section. Go to the Young Elliot section. Walk past Baby Legend of the Last Dinosaur and uh, some and you know like Dino Riders and go straight to Young Elliot New York section and you'll find those movies. Right. So do that, I guess. And if you go to Redbox, uh, just uh, I don't know get. Get life, I guess. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> get a life, says Dan McCoy to listeners. Yeah. So uh, that's our show, guys. Yeah. Uh, it is. It certainly is. It's a show that we've been doing for a long time. Yep. Uh, tonight wasn't that long. Yeah. No. Okay. Uh, losing some steam. Let's steam it up. <laughs> I think. I think. Let me. Let me check the steam meter. Oh, double empty. Oh, okay. Okay. Somehow, somehow the steam meter is in negative. We're actually cold right now. I guess Calvin got into our coolant again. Mm-hmm. Oh no, Calvin! <laughs> How much better would the movie have been if someone did that at some point? It would have been. Like, it would have been amazing. Like Calvin crushes one of the other people to death, and Jake Jill just goes, ugh. Calvin, and the, and the camera were... zooms in on his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be funny if they were talking and they're like, "Calvin, our coolant," and then they just take a moment to be like, "Calvin, coolant." That's hilarious. <laughs> like Calvin, and, like Coolidge, Calvin Coolidge, like, and then yeah. the movie and just starts up laugh. again. <laughs> just starts up again. They, uh, Calvin laughs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, back to it, guys, and then starts crushing them. Yeah. yeah. All right, Just like in uh, the old cartoons where the sheepdog and the and the wolf are working together. Yeah, exactly. the whistle blows and they both have to punch out. I get it. <laughs> uh, well, let's punch Mike out Tyson's on this show. Uh, for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. hey I'm Stuart Wellington. And off in another far-off world, yet communicating through the magic of modern technology, I'm Elliot Kalin. Good night, everyone. <laughs>